Well, two of our children are gone to camp. Our oldest, our two oldest, our 15-year-old, 13-year-old are gone to camp. And so all of a sudden, uh, you would think with the younger children still being at the house, it would still be kind of difficult. But it, even with the older ones gone, it's, it's a whole lot easier. And uh, we have a lot more freedom. It's a quieter around the house. And we're able to get out of town this past weekend and see Emily's parents who came back yesterday. And, and packing is a whole lot easier. And, and everything's just, even with the, even the, the, the 15 and the 13-year-old are, are uh, very independent and everything, uh, you, you know, you still have to take care of them and do a lot of things for them. And uh, we put the baby to bed last night. And, and that, usually that's when the teenagers come out and want to talk once the baby's down. The teenagers didn't come out and talk. You know, and so they're with Colby talking to him. So anyhow, uh, but, but we had a lot more freedom than we're used to having. When you have freedom, you have time to get things done and do other things that you're not used to doing and, think, and, and time to think even. And so the 4th of July is just over a week of away. Many of you will be out of town probably celebrating our nation's birthday. Many will stay here. And it's a good reminder for us every year around the 4th of July that our country was founded under several tenets, and one of those tenets being that people are free, and we're free because we're made in God's image, and we have freedom uh, from being ruled by another nation. We are free from being forced to certain belief systems. Uh, we can choose to worship whoever we want. We, can, we have the freedom to be wrong. We have the freedom to be right. Uh, we, we are free from any kind of government tyranny, and we have freedom in that we know that mankind is made in the image of God, and that freedom allows us to flourish. And so freedom is a value and a tenet that is based in Christianity. And so that in Christ we are free from the tyranny of sin in our lives. In Christ we have the freedom to, to truly be free and to freely follow Jesus, and today we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that urges us to use our freedom for good, not for selfishness, but for good. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that we're able to come here and, and worship you. Lord, we look at a passage today that talks about our freedom in Christ. And you give us these categories of living. You give us these works of the flesh, these sinful categories, and you give us these spirit-led categories. And Lord, you tell us that the natural body, the natural person wants to live one way, but the spirit-led person should be living another. And Lord, you even tell us that we should check our hearts to see if we are living in the way of the spirit, because that's how we know we know you. That's how we know we inherit the kingdom of God. So, Father, speak to us today through your word. Show us what you would have us to see and, and hear today. Lord, I pray that you fill me with your spirit, that you speak through me today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll give us today three things that, that freedom from the tyranny of sin allow us. Freedom from the guilt, the, the tyranny of the guilt of sin, uh, the, the consequences of sin that we, that we think about, uh, the, the controlling nature of sin. Three things that freedom from sin allows. Number one, it gives us the freedom to serve. It gives us the freedom to serve others, to serve other people. So the natural man, natural person, might do good things, might serve others from time to time, but mainly they're concerned with serving themselves. We see this with children. You have to teach children. To care for others. You have to teach children to share, to make to, to, to look after others. You know, my older three children, they get a real good dose of what it's like to take care of other people with a three-year-old in the house. We're constantly asking them to help out and to help little John David and things like this. So they get an idea of what it looks like to serve. But in Christ, we have the freedom to do so. Nobody is going to make you serve someone else. If you're a grown adult, and if you're a church member, uh, I'm not going to make you spend time in the nursery. I'm not going to make you serve in a certain ministry. No one in the church can do that. But you have the freedom to do so as the Holy Spirit leads you. Look at verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. See, there's a belief system out there that in Christ, because we are saved by grace, we don't have, we don't even need to follow God's moral laws anymore. God has saved us from our sin. We can do what we want, when we want, how we want. Because we are saved, we can now live however we wish. But that is not the case. Freedom in Christ is not a license to live however you want. Just like a driver's license isn't a license to drive however you want. Amen? Although we see people doing it all the time. It's a license to serve. Not a license to live however you'd like to live. And freedom itself is not something to be worshipped. 
We use our freedom to worship. We don't worship the freedom. We use our freedom to serve others. Christian freedom can deteriorate into immoral, unethical living. The law, God's word, it it makes great guardrails for us, but it doesn't just serve us. And this is the tension we walk as we walk in Christ. See, half of us will fall into two categories. Some of us will struggle with moralism or like the Pharisees. We live by rules. We feel like if we live by these rules, God will love us more. And there is a truth to obedience and blessing obedience. There's a truth to that. But God's not going to love us any more for following his rules than he does if we sin every day. He loves us because of Jesus. And the other half of us will will struggle with sin because you know in the back of your mind that you've been forgiven and God will just continue to forgive you in Jesus Christ, which he does. But we don't live that way all the time. There's a tension there living in the grace of Christ. So by following Jesus, we understand that we're free to live in holiness, but we still flee from sin. And so then we take the, take the, the onus off ourselves, and that opens us up to serve other people. For many years now, our motto, our vision, mission, what have you at First Baptist is grounded in God, growing in Christ, giving to others. You know, from time to time, sometimes when pastors come into churches, uh, there will be a mission, there will be a vision statement that already exists, and, and they'll kind of come in and they'll say, well, you know, uh, God's leading me to, to change this to something else, and, and, and I haven't changed it. And let me tell you why. Because it is exactly the mission of our lives and the mission of our church. It really is. is, We are grounded in these truths of God. In fact, there was an atheist organization. I may have told the story before. An atheist organization that that is about self-growth and change, but they don't believe in God. They believe in evolution. They've studied thousands and thousands of people, people who do well, people who don't do well in life, people who've succeeded, people who've struggled. And they came out and said they found the secret to life is this. Growing and giving. <laughs> These are people who aren't, they're not even Christians. And just by studying people, they realize that's how people flourish. When they grow and when they give. Now, what you're grounded in makes a difference. We're grounded in who God is and his word. And then we grow in Christ. And that allows us to give to others. It allows us the freedom to serve. We're growing, and as we're growing, we should be giving. Paul says in verse 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We know this as as what? What do we call this? You know, the golden rule, right? And a lot of people, they may have, it used to be that they had no idea maybe what Christianity was, but they'd heard of the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others as you want to be treated. That type of idea. Right? And you would think that a Christian nation, a nation with a lot of Christian influence, you would see this happening all the time. Seems like the exception to the rule many times. 
in our culture. And it's easy for Christians to get wrapped up in a culture that does verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I feel like verse 15 is a good encapsulation of our, of our country many times. Encapsulation of our political parties, of the people on the extremes, constantly trying to win against the other person, trying to destroy the other person. But God's word says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You have the freedom to do that. In other words, don't live in such a way that you're putting legalistic burdens on people's backs. And don't live in such a way that you give license to people to sin. Stay close to Jesus, walk in his paths, and love your neighbor. Now, it didn't take much to know in Monk's Corner that our neighbors look and act way different than maybe they used to even 20 years ago. Peter said, well, well, who's my neighbor? People would often ask Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus would say, your neighbor is your neighbor. Any person you come across, no matter how they look, no matter how they treat you. A lot of my friends on social media this week posted um, excited posts about the Roe versus Wade being overturned. Excited posts about it. Right? Those who are against that, many people, now again, I'm just seeing what I saw, many of their friends did not have good responses to them. Right? And I was so glad to see some of my Christian brothers and sisters respond to their negative responses and hateful, many times hateful responses in loving Christian ways. That's what we're called to do. We're called to love our neighbors no matter what they say to us, no matter what they, what they, what they bite, bite us, try to devour us. When we're busy loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, we, we start to lose that urge to be jealous, that urge to be defensive. We have nothing to defend. You know who our defender is? Jesus Christ. We have, nothing, we have nothing to defend in our lives. But here he's talking about other Christians. He says, biting and devouring each other gives the idea that, that Christian brothers and sisters are doing whatever they can to be and stay on top. But they end up eating each other. They end up killing each other, devouring each other, and they both lose. Because the Christian life is not about winning the argument. Arguments was won on the cross. The Christian life is not about being the best because Jesus is the best. It's not about being the best Christian. It's not about being even attending the best church or wearing the best clothes. It's about loving other people. That's what your goal is as a believer in Christ. And you have the freedom to do so. You have the freedom to love others, to serve. So in Christ, you have the freedom to serve. Number two, we have the freedom to change. The freedom to change. But do you change? Are you allowing God's word to get into your heart and change you? 
you've often heard it said that the only thing constant in life is change. You are going to change in life. My wife and I were talking about how we've been married 18 years, and we've been married to about three or four different people. <laughs> I'm not the same man she married. She's not the same woman I married. And we've adjusted. We still love each other. We change, right? Change is inevitable. The question is, how are you changing? How are you changing? You have the freedom to change in, in Jesus. He says in verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This idea of walking by the Spirit has this idea of falling in line, following the steps of Jesus. So when we, we fall in line with the Spirit, we, we stay in line with him. This is why we are unmerciful as a church when it comes to our Bible reading plan. <laughs> this is why we read it, we talk about it, it's in the bulletin. Because it's the only thing that's going to keep you in line. It's God's word and attending worship and singing songs and praying. This is what we need in our lives. Paul explains these desires of the flesh. He's, he says, verse 17, for the desires of the flesh the natural desires we have, they're against the spiritual desires. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We still have the old person inside us that still wants to gratify those desires of the flesh. See, rules came, I talked about this last week, rules can't change your heart, only God's word can change our desires. So falling in line with the Spirit helps us avoid this. We do things in life we know is wrong. But you know, we still do them anyway. And the Spirit can change our hearts. This is on display on a daily basis at my house. My three-year-old is blessed to live in a house that has a lot of older toys. He's got a lot of older kind of girly toys, but he's also now he's discovered the, the older toys uh, of his older sibling, who's 15. And I came in the other day, and he had an arsenal, an arsenal of Nerf guns that he had collected. That I guess over the years we had bought my older son these Nerf guns. He had five or six or seven little rifles of Nerf bullets, a bow and arrow of Nerf bullets, several swords. And I thought to myself, this is not, might not be a good thing to do, right? Just laid up all over the couch, all these Nerf bullets. And we tell him, you're free to shoot these all over the house, which he does. But he can't quite cock the gun, so I'm always having to cock it for him every time he fires it. Because it's supposed to be for like ages eight and up, and he's three, right? But they're already in the house, so he's found them, right? I said, now you can shoot these bullets, but you can't shoot them at your brother or sisters because they hurt. They come out kind of fast. A couple of them make a noise that come out so quick. So I said, shoot the walls. Don't shoot the TV. Don't shoot us. Shoot the walls. Shoot down the hallway. Go outside. You can shoot outside. But every now and then, he doesn't do that. I'll hear, ow, John David. He'll shoot somebody. Or he'll take one of the 15 lightsabers or swords that we have in the house. And he'll whack somebody with it. But now if we were to do it back, he would tell us, oh, that hurts. Don't do that, right? He doesn't quite understand 
the physical aspect of hurt, but he, he does it anyway, and sometimes he does it anyway, and though he knows there will be a consequence, and he can't help himself. But the Spirit gives us the ability, it gives us the freedom to redirect our actions. It gives us the freedom to, to not type that comment on Facebook. It gives us the freedom to not say that on the phone to somebody. It gives us the freedom to, to put the sword down, to not pull the Nerf gun trigger, even though it'll feel great. <laughs> we think it'll feel great. Gives us the, the, the freedom to change. Because he says in verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. One of the reasons we sin is because we try to keep this law. And Paul explained to the Colossians that being moral, just being moral, is of no value in avoiding the urges of the flesh. In fact, when we know what's wrong, we're, we're more likely to want to do what is wrong unless the Spirit is working in our lives. So Paul is saying, if we constantly focus on don't do this or do that, we will struggle and not sinning. So we need to be led by the Spirit. See, if my three-year-old can understand that shooting Nerf bullets or whacking his siblings with the sword hurts them and he should love them, he really understands that concept, and he hopefully he will as he grows and his brain matures and everything. He'll be less likely to do it if he understands what love is. Paul then explains what these natural desires of the flesh are. Now, we all have these desires. This is our default state. And in Christ, these start wearing away, or they should start wearing away over the years. He, he gives the first three, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. This has a, just a lifestyle of, of promiscuity, sexual sin, these kind of things. We should not be surprised when the world lifts these things up. The world is lost, people. It should not surprise us when the world lifts these things up as good things. They don't know Jesus. They need to know Jesus. Maybe you are to tell them about Jesus. And it should break our hearts when we see these kind of things. It's the work of the flesh. The second category he mentions pertains to, to our, how we worship. He talks about idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry is simply the, the truth that people want to worship gods of their own making. We want to worship gods of our own making. That's why being a Carolina fan is so hard. Because South Carolina football, any sport, is a bad god. But if you have a winning team, it's worse for you. Because it's even a worse God. Because it keeps your allegiance even further away from Jesus. So we have to understand these are games. And they're fun. But they're not gods. Right? Sorcery is the practice of magic arts that gives fuel to idolatry. This stuff goes on even today. And then he talks about another category 
of social relationships. He says there's enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and divisions. Is he not just explaining social media? He is. That's all there is on there. Unless you've managed your feed, which you might have. Quarreling is enmity. Rivalries has the idea of pursuit of selfish ambition. Dissensions has the idea of standing apart. All these activities and these emotional attitudes, they're against the law of God. They are the opposite of the essence of God. It breaks my heart when I see people, and I'm guilty of it myself, Christians who have enmity and strife and jealousy and anger and rivalries and, and create dissensions and divisions. It breaks my heart when I see brothers and sisters of Christ doing this because they're displaying the works of the flesh that they've been saved from. We need to make sure we don't fall into these old patterns of sin. They're the opposite of the essence of God. See, all sin takes good things and perverts them. That's what it does. And this is what these are. Jealousy and dissensions, divisions. These are perversions of relationships that God's given us. And then he says, a warning. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This doesn't, mean, this doesn't mean that if you're jealous today, well, you've lost it. What he's talking about is this is our pattern of life. This is how we're living. As people see us, they say that is a jealous person. That is a hateful person. That is a person who always has envy, always drunk, always partying. If that's how we're viewed, we may not know Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about messing up every now and then. I'm talking about how our life is. We have the freedom to change. And that takes us to number three. We have the freedom to love. We have the freedom to love. What does a Christian look like? A Christian is someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit. He tells us, love, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, patience. I feel like I need to say that multiple times for myself. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, none of these things are against the law. You'll never be arrested for being gentle. You'll never be arrested for being peaceful. You'll never be arrested for being patient unless you don't get out of the road in time. <laughs> never be arrested for being kind. There's no law. We don't have to protect other people from our kindness. We don't have to protect other people from our goodness or our patience or our love or our joy, or our peace. All of these things are good for people to put on others. It's good for us to be kind. It's good for us to be joyful, to have peace. People 
flourish when we interact with them in this way. He says in verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Every day we wake up, Jesus in our life, we picture him on the cross dying for our sins. Every, every day we wake up and we have that, that desire to sin, we nail it on the cross to Jesus. Because that's what he took on the cross for us. Every sin we've ever made, every sin we make today, every sin we make in the future. But Paul is saying as a believer, those sins are being nailed to the cross and those desires are being crucified as well. Today, as we close our time together, you have the freedom to live in this such a way. So my question to you today is, are you exercising your freedom? Put the Nerf gun away. Put the lightsaber away. And realize that your actions have the chance to hurt someone or love someone. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, we thank you for this passage of Scripture that reminds us how far we've come, but also shows us, Lord, where you still need to work in our lives. You still need to, to work away those desires, Father. Lord, it angers us many times to see people who are angry at you. But Lord, we're called to love them. We're called to love as you've loved us. So, Father, give us the ability to do that. Put people in our lives that we can share you with, that they so desperately need. Father, if there's one in here today that's never placed their faith in you today, that, that they would do so today, that today they would be changed. They would come into a right relationship with you today, Lord. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.